Hello, I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Learning Capacity. This podcast is brought to you by our major sponsor, LearnFast. If you'd like to know more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au. A little while back, I brought to you a small section of Chapter 3 of a book called The Brain That Changes Itself. It's written by Dr. Norman Deutsch, and it's the stories of personal triumph from the frontiers of brain science. In that podcast, we provided you with a download link so that you can download Chapter 3 for free. That download link is still live, and we'd like to bring it to you again because it was a very popular download, and we just want to make sure that as many people as possible have a chance to be able to sample this great book. That download link is info.learnfasthome.com.au slash book. Once again, the free download link is info.learnfasthome.com.au slash book. In this particular episode, I'd like to bring you a little bit from the beginning of the chapter and a little bit from the middle, which is basically the story of how Dr. Michael Mersnick started to make some of the big discoveries in neuroscience with regards to neuroplasticity. Of neuroplasticians with solid hard science credentials, it is Mersnick who has made the most ambitious claims for the field. That brain exercises may be as useful as drugs to treat diseases as severe as schizophrenia, that plasticity exists from the cradle to the grave, and that radical improvements in cognitive functioning, how we learn, think, perceive, and remember, are possible even in the elderly. His latest patents are for techniques that show promise in allowing adults to learn language skills, without effortful memorization. Mersnick argues that practicing a new skill, under the right conditions, can change hundreds of millions, and possibly billions, of the connections between the nerve cells in our brain maps. If you're sceptical of such spectacular claims, keep in mind that they come from a man who has already helped cure some disorders that were once thought intractable. Early in his career, Mersnick developed, along with his group, the most commonly used design for the cochlear implant, which allows deaf children to hear. His current plasticity work helps learning disabled students improve their cognition and perception. These techniques, his series of plasticity-based computer programs, Fast for Word, have already helped millions. Fast for Word is disguised as a children's game. What is amazing about it is how quickly the change occurs. In some cases, people who have had a lifetime of cognitive difficulties get better after only 30 to 60 hours of treatment. Unexpectedly, the program has also helped a number of autistic children. Mersnick claims that when learning occurs in a way consistent with the laws that govern brain plasticity, the mental machinery of the brain can be improved so that we learn and perceive with greater precision, speed and retention. Clearly, when we learn, we increase what we know. But Mersnick's claim is that we can also change the very structure of the brain itself and increase its capacity to learn. Unlike a computer, the brain is constantly adapting itself. The cerebral cortex, he says, of the thin outer layer of the brain is actually selectively refining its processing capacities to fit each task at hand. It doesn't simply learn. It is always learning how to learn. The brain Mersenick describes is not an inanimate vessel that we fill, rather it is more like a living creature with an appetite, one that can grow and change itself with proper nourishment and exercise. Before Mersenick's work, the brain was seen as a complex machine, having unalterable limits on memory, processing speed and intelligence. Mersenick has shown that each of these assumptions is wrong. Mersenick did not set out to understand how the brain changes, he only stumbled on the realisation that the brain could reorganise its maps. And though he was not the first scientist to demonstrate neuroplasticity, it was through experiments he conducted early in his career 
that mainstream neuroscientists came to accept the plasticity of the brain. The competitive nature of plasticity affects us all. There is an endless war of nerves going on inside each of our brains. If we stop exercising our mental skills, we do not just forget them. The brain map space for those skills is turned over to the skills we practice instead. If you ever ask yourself, how often must I practice French or guitar or maths to keep on top of it? You are asking a question about competitive plasticity. You are asking how frequently you must practice one activity to make sure its brain map space is not lost to another. Competitive plasticity in adults even explains some of our limitations. Think of the difficulty most adults have in learning a second language. The conventional view now is that the difficulty arises because the critical period for language learning has ended, leaving us with a brain too rigid to change its structure on a large scale. But the discovery of competitive plasticity suggests there is more to it. As we age, the more we use our native language, the more it comes to dominate our linguistic map space. Thus, it is also because our brain is plastic, and because plasticity is competitive, that it is so hard to learn a new language and end the tyranny of the mother tongue. But why, if this is true, is it easier to learn a second language when we are young? Is there not competition then too? Not really. If two languages are learned at the same time during the critical period, both get a foothold. Brain scans, says Mersenich, show that in a bilingual child, all the sounds of its two languages share a single large map, a library of sounds from both languages. Competitive plasticity also explains why our bad habits are so difficult to break or unlearn. Most of us think of the brain as a container and learning as putting something in it. When we try to break a bad habit, we think the solution is to put something new into the container. But when we learn a bad habit, it takes over a brain map, and each time we repeat it, it claims more control of that map and prevents the use of that space for good habits. That is why unlearning is often a lot harder than learning, and why early childhood education is so important. It's best to get it right early before the bad habit gets a competitive advantage. One of Mersenich's experiments Ingeniously simple, made plasticity famous among neuroscientists and eventually did more to win over skeptics than any plasticity experiment before or since. And a word of warning here, this might make you feel a little queasy. He mapped a monkey's hand map in the brain. Then he amputated the monkey's middle finger. After a number of months, he remapped the monkey and found that the brain map for the amputated finger had disappeared and that the maps for the adjacent fingers had grown into the space that had originally mapped for the middle finger. Here was the clearest possible demonstration that brain maps are dynamic, that there is a competition for cortical real estate, and that brain resources are allocated according to the principle of use it or lose it. You've been listening to a reading of a small excerpt of Chapter 3 of the book called The Brain That Changes Itself. Written by Dr. Norman Deutsch, it's the stories of personal triumph from the frontiers of brain science. Once again, you can download all of Chapter 3 for free. All you need to do is visit info.learnfasthome.com.au slash book. Provide us with an email address so that we have somewhere to send the PDF file, and then you can continue reading. And I do commit it to you. It's about 50 pages long, so it's well worth your while. This podcast is brought to you by our major sponsor, LearnFast. If you'd like to know more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now.